May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. If you could choose one, what would your favorite food be? What's the food that you could eat once a day for the rest of your life if you had to? Well, as you think about that, we know there are many food festivals all over the United States that celebrate just about any kind of food that you might think of. There's the Garlic Festival in California. Out in Waikiki, Hawaii, they host a Spam Festival once a year, if Spam is really what you long for. In Atlanta, Georgia, they hold what's called a Chomp and Stomp Festival that features a chili cook-off and a bluegrass concert and a dance. And of course, we know in Scranton, there's the Italian Food Festival, and yet we even have a couple closer, the pierogi and the kielbasa festival. If you could Google your favorite food, you'd probably find a festival somewhere around the United States or in the world that celebrates that particular food. In the town of Yamagata, Japan, every year they hold a festival to celebrate a traditional soup called imani. Thousands of people come from all over Japan and even further from across the world to have some of this imani and have a good time. So the folks in Yamagata decided to build a massive soup pot, which they could fill with six tons of water, one and a half tons of beef, 3,500 onions, and lots and lots of other ingredients. The soup cooks in that huge pot for hours. Now cooking that much soup would be a real challenge, but they've already got that mastered. The question is, how do you serve it? Walmart doesn't sell a one-ton soup ladle, and if they did, how would you get the thing home? A few years ago, a team in Yamagata found a creative way to solve that problem of distribution. They bought two brand new earth diggers with specially made buckets. The buckets allowed them to dip out hundreds and hundreds of servings of soup at once in those buckets. In eight hours' time, that team of cooks fed 12,695 bowls of imani to the participants. They earned the title for most soup served in eight hours and now are in the Guinness Book of World Records. As we come to our scripture today from John about the feeding of the 5,000, I want you to picture it through the eyes of Jesus' disciples. They had traveled from a far shore to the Sea of Galilee, hoping to get away, to get some rest. But crowds of people, thousands of people, followed them to this remote area. They were hungering for a miracle or a message of hope or both. The disciples were tired and they knew Jesus was and they had hoped that Jesus would just say, not now. They wanted Jesus to send them away. But instead, Jesus asked Philip, hey, Philip, how about we try and feed these folks? How do you think we can feed these thousands of scriptures as men, but knowing that there were men and women and probably children there, you know it's more than 5,000. That's a pretty good question. How were they going to feed all these people? I mean, there's no McDonald's nearby. There's no Wendy's or Burger King. And Philip knew that 
one cannot live by bread alone, but you can't live without bread either. So Philip was probably a little flabbergasted and struck at Jesus asking that question about something that seems so impossible. So Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one, each one just to have a bite of food. From Philip's answer, it's clear that even if there had been carryout nearby, they didn't have enough money to pay to feed all these people. Then another disciple spoke up, Andrew. You remember Andrew, don't you? He's the one who brought his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. Andrew was certainly not the leader that Peter was, but I wonder if he had other gifts and graces. I wonder if Andrew was more like a, a people person, kind of talking to people in the crowd. Because he's the one who comes up with the young man. Here's a boy with some barley loaves and two small fish. And then he says, but how far will they go among so many? We have something, but will it go far enough? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. This feeding of the 5,000 plus is a wonderful story of God's provision for human needs. The focus is on bread, but the lesson is about our lives. We experience the blessings of God, first of all, when we take the time to sit. That sounds really simple, doesn't it? Maybe too simple. Most of us say we're too busy to read the Bible or attend a fellowship gathering of some kind. We, we pray in our cars as we rush to here and to there, everywhere. The idea that we should stop our activities and make time with Jesus a priority sometimes really annoys us. Why? We've forgotten that the purpose of our life is to get to know God through Jesus Christ and then to glorify God. We've forgotten that we have a God who's just waiting to provide for us. And all we have to do is ask. Some of you may remember the story of the man who was waiting to take a bus to Pasadena. There he was in the bus station and he saw a machine and it was advertising your height, your weight, and your fortune only for a dollar. I mean, who's going to pass up that kind of deal, right, as you're trying to kill time at a bus station? So he popped in his dollar, he stepped on the scale, and out came a card that read, you are 5 foot 10 inches tall, you weigh 160 pounds, and you're waiting for the bus to Pasadena. Man was pretty amazed. He says, this is so cool. How could a, a machine know that much about me? So he got the bright idea to try and fool the machine. He went to the restroom, changed his appearance, turned his cap on backwards, put on some sunglasses, turned his shirt inside out, pulled a jacket out of his duffel bag, and then stuffed his jacket full of toilet paper so he'd look heavier. He went back out, put his dollar in, stepped on the scale again, and another card popped out. It read, you're five foot, 10 inches tall, you weigh 160 pounds, and while you were wasting time messing around in the men's room trying to fool me, you missed your bus to Pasadena. How many of us are messing around? Messing around with lesser priorities, so much so that we spend our whole life disconnected from God. Time with God is not to be seen as a burden. It's what we're made for. It's what we're called to do, to glorify God in all we say and all we do. We have to find our identity, our, 
our purpose, our strength and wisdom, but the only way to do that is to spend time with God. Two of our most important duties we have as disciples of Jesus Christ is to nurture our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. Ministry and life become empty and meaningless if we don't spend time with Jesus and we don't spend time with people around us. It may be that the reason many of us live such barren lives is that we rarely set time aside to even just communicate to God. We're so busy and, and caught up in the race that we're in, so pressed for time that we really can't cut out any more time for a time that gives us strength or wisdom or courage. We need to stop. Stop for a moment and sit down in the presence of Christ. And after we sit down, then, as in the scripture, we receive what Christ offers us. Just as that crowd received the loaves and the fishes. When we shut God out of our lives, we shut out the very one who can meet our desperate needs. Christ's greatest desire is to provide us with the good things of abundant life. Do we understand how wonderful that could be? What that truth is all about? God didn't have to create each of us. He didn't have to reveal himself to Jesus in Jesus to us, but that's God's character. That's who God is. God's very nature is to give. God's very nature is love, and love is always giving. In fact, God gives extravagantly. If we are not receiving from God, the problem may be on our end, for God is giving and loving. Famous dancer and choreographer Bob Fosse was known for being abundantly generous. When he went out with friends or colleagues, he always grabbed a check and paid for everyone that was there. When he died, he set aside $25,000 in his will with instructions for 66 of his closest friends. They were to use the money to go out to dinner together one last time. Even toward the end of his life, he was the one thinking of ways to show his appreciation and love to those around him. In the same way, God never stops thinking about you and I. As a loving God, God awaits the opportunity for us to ask and then meet our needs, but we're not accustomed to receiving from God's hand. And at times, it doesn't even occur to us to pray. I read somewhere where you can't accept God's blessings if your hands are already full. We have to be empty. We have to take the time to be open. That's why we wander blindly from problem to problem. We don't sit down. Jesus said, make the people sit down. Then he took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he gave out the loaves and the fish to all who were seated as much as they wanted. So also do we receive God's blessings when we sit and we wait, and when we receive what God has to offer us. Notice how John finishes that story. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
Why is there so much food left over? Because that too is God's nature. When we receive what God has to offer, we discover that God provides for our needs, but also that it's extravagant and abundance. One of the lessons Jesus tries to teach us is that abundance and extravagance of God that he lays out before us. God's the one who provides that abundance, who sets before us a table in the midst of our enemies, who fills our cup to overflowing, who when wine is needed for the wedding feast tells us, fill the water pots and fill them to the brim, who when the prodigal returns home kills the fatted calf and throws a huge party. We become so cynical, so fearful, we don't really trust that God can really be that good. We don't trust that God really knows our deepest needs. And so we become stingy towards God and then stingy towards others. We live with this constant sense of anxiety and wariness of everything that goes on around us. Most of the worries that fall upon us would disappear in a moment if we would just take the moment to lean back a little bit, to rest ourselves on the extravagance of what God can provide that doesn't mean everything's going to be sweetness and light as we live out our faith. But it does mean even in the midst of the storm that is raging around us, God's extravagance is on display and available to us. A small group of children was asked to describe what abundance means to them. Allison, age seven, said, Abundance is an extra bowl of ice cream and getting to stay up late and laughing a lot. Emily, age nine, said, abundance means I have as many books as I want to read and lots of warm clothes for the wintertime, and it means there's always lots of love. Brian, age 10, said, abundance means we have everything we need, even though we don't have everything we want yet. It makes me feel safe. I want you to hear and think about Brian's answer again. He said, abundance means we have everything we need even though we don't have everything we want yet, it makes me feel safe. Every miracle Jesus ever performed, including the one we heard today, was meant to show us the priorities of the nature of who God is. The healings, turning water into wine, feeding the multitudes, calming the storms, all of the miracles emphasize the priority and nature of our God who wants to provide for our needs, to make us safe. So why does God even do this? Because God wants to receive that extravagance so that we may then tell others what we have been given and then offer it up to other people so that then they might experience the extravagance of God's giving and grace and love. God has so many blessings to pour out on all of us. And all Jesus does is ask us to sit down and receive what he has for us. What God has to give, God gives with extravagance. The Apostle Paul wrote, No eye hath seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of one human conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even begin to know what God has for us because it's so extravagant and abundant. And all we have to do is sit down and receive it. 
in Rome, right next door to the Vatican, is a beautiful 19th century palace. It's called the Palazzo Migliore, and it was recently up for sale. Its size and beauty and location right off St. Peter's Square made it worth a small fortune. And someone could have made a lot of money turning it into an exclusive hotel. Notice I said someone could have. Instead, the family who owned it chose to donate this gorgeous palace to the Catholic Church, their neighbor. And Pope Francis made a, a decision at that moment that I think made God smile. After the building was renovated in November of 2019, it opened its doors to the homeless in the community. The palace, which has 16 bedrooms, houses about 50 homeless men and women. Volunteers provide them with hot meals every day. Residents there report that the palace feels more homelike than the crowded shelters that they usually end up going to. Sharon Kristner, a researcher working on the project involving the homeless there, said this, what is special about this place is that it's not about maximizing dollar signs, but giving people a really beautiful place to be with the idea that beauty can help heal them. The Palazzo Migliore is a vision of abundant blessings offered to people around them. God has prepared that blessing for those who love him. Homeless people in need of food and shelter are welcomed into a luxurious mansion, offered a place to put their heads and fed hot meals. Curious crowds of people following Jesus are invited to sit for a surprise meal in John, and they all eat of their fill. And there's still plenty left over. This is a vision of the nature of a loving and generous and extravagant and abundant God who desires to provide for the needs of all of his children. So what does that mean for you and I? Again, it means we need to sit down. We need to sit down. You know that moment I'm talking about. You've been out in the yard working all day. You've been doing something all day, and you take just five minutes to sit. What does that feel like? It feels like an eternity, doesn't it? Before you have to go back to work? Five minutes. I'm asking you to carve out five minutes. Now take an opportunity to sit, to pray, to study the scripture, and to receive what Christ wants to offer you in abundance. And to take that opportunity then to go and to share it with other people. I want us to be like that little boy somewhere in the crowd where someone says, can you help? And then we offer up to Christ what we have. And it's distributed throughout our community. So this week, take time to sit. Take time to pray. Study the scripture. Receive the blessings in what you read. Listen for that still small voice. And then go and share what God has given you to share with others. The extravagance and abundance that comes only from knowing Christ. That others may know that extravagance and abundance as well. Amen.
As we come together as God's children, we're called upon to